Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Get fired up. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh, yeah, you heard that sound. They don't make podcasting songs anything any better than the SOC. Too bad. It's going away, folks. Yes, it's a dying breed. Uh, We enter the final State of Combat Mixed Martial Arts Podcast today, right now. In your ear hole as we are in the midst of this transition to all things morning combat But boy, do we have a lot to get into today. Not only a UFC 253 preview of one of the sexiest, yes, I said it, sexiest fights you could possibly make in the sport with Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa this Saturday in Abu Dhabi. We got an interview this week on this freaking show with the last style bender himself. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, including how to say his last name, because I'm sick. I am sick and tired of Brett and Ariel saying Adesanya when the rest of us are like, what? Stop that crap. All right. Anyway, uh, not only do we have that, we got a big weekend to look back on all things Colby Chaos Covington. So why don't we talk to a man who was there in Las Vegas working it? breaking that ish down anytime Colby and Kamaru seem to have some issues Rashad Evans is in the middle of it they said who do you want to co-host with today I said I know who I'm picking if I had to pick someone I would have picked Rashad well I picked him all right he is a former UFC light heavyweight champion a hall of famer both in the ab room okay yes I said it and in the uh in the audio game he is sugar Rashad Evans my man my friend Back in South Florida, how the hell is it? BC, I am marvelous, man. I am marvelous. Just enjoying a sunny day in South Florida. Happy to be back on this coast of the country. Uh, exciting weekend of fights. Yes, indeed it was. Yeah, yeah, it was exciting last weekend. This is a monster combat week uh, because not only 253, as we mentioned, it's double Charlo pay-per-view week on the box side, Rashad. I'm calling oh. From the Mohegan bubble in Connecticut, just had my first COVID swab test. And uh, they were like, uh, are you ready for it? And here's what I told them. I've had a great run, right? <laughs> if the coronavirus is what's going to get me, let's do it. Bring yeah. it. I'm ready, Corona. Uh, Rashad, I don't know what the UFC process is like, but uh, the Mohegan bubble, you get to self-swab. So I was a little bit worried about uh... sticking things deep into my orifices. <laughs> if you will, and, and hurt myself. But the self-swabbing was uh, very soothing. I don't know what you guys are doing over there in the uh, MMA game. No, nah, they, they, they sit us down. They have a team over there to shove things down our throat. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's probably not a good idea to make a rectal joke to the uh, healthcare <laughs> professionals before the test. That went over like a fart in church. But uh, uh, all right. We made it through that, Rashad. I'm quarantining. I'm ready. Um, hopefully you'll be uh, checking out what's going on as well with that Showtime double pay-per-view this weekend. Very unique, right? Two pay-per-view cards for the damn price of one. And obviously we got you covered, whether it's SOC, MK, CBS Sports HQ, previewing and breaking down all things Charlo and all things Adesanya Costa. Um, Rashad, I never like when big-time boxing pay-per-view and big-time MMA go head-to-head, but there is that 
that extra feeling of excitement, right? You can only watch one at a time and you inevitably always sort of get spoiled on the other one in terms of what happens over Twitter, but it's always wild. Those double fight nights. It is. It always is wild. And you kind of, kind of hedge your bet and kind of find a way to try to watch both of them as best as possible. And sometimes it works. Sometimes you're able to pull it off, but for the most part, you end up finding out through updates, clicking on your Twitter feed or something like that. Uh, Rashad, I have a personal question for you. They say um, when you get together hungry, aggressive people like athletes, like for example, in the Olympic village, they say a lot of things go on there. You know what I'm saying? They say a lot of oh, things yeah. happen. Oh, yeah. Okay, there is sex in the champagne room in the Olympic Village. Is that the same in the UFC bubble? No, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't know, man. I think, I think when, you know, for the most part, when people are inside the UFC bubble, it, it's like um, everybody's on lockdown. They have security guards outside of the hallway, so you can't wow. even be, yeah, you can't even, you can't even associate with somebody else outside of your team. So that's, that's how strict they made it. Even, even us, um, uh, us uh, analysts that work together after we take the test, we can't hang out with each other just in case one of us comes back positive, then it doesn't contaminate the whole group. Yeah. Same thing here in the uh, Mohegan boxing bubble. There is a lot of sex going on, but like high school Rashad, it's, it's, it's one at a time, one person only. Uh, that's <laughs> how that works. All right. That's, that's really where we're going with that. All right. Enough weird stuff, Rashad. We might as well uh, sell some wolf tickets and get excited about the real fight game. Here's what we're going to do folks. Quick pause for the cause, but on the other side, it's your boy, BC. It's sugar Rashad. We got a chat coming up with Israel Adesanya. So get ready. Big things to come. Back in two and two. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If, ready PG. And we're back. It's BC. It's Sugar Rashad. It's the SOC for as long as it lasts. And Rashad, over the weekend, I don't want to waste any friggin' more time. It was all things grudge match. The old AT teammates, Colby Covington, Tyron Woodley, a very important fight in terms of welterweight title positioning. But what has spun out from that fight, right? A fifth-round stoppage at the start of the final round for Covington, the winner, as Woodley's broken rib did not allow him to continue, has seemingly become more about Tyron Woodley's future and Colby Covington's mouth than necessarily about what happened in that fight. So we're going to have a lot of time to talk about all this crap. Let's focus first on what you saw in essentially four full rounds. Colby Covington grinding that out and getting that win over Woodley. Impressive? What do you got for me? It was impressive because you, I seen a Colby who, who worked through some things in that fight. You know, he didn't seem to be the same confident striker that he was when he was striking against Usman. And getting finished like that by Usman can, you know, put those reservations in, in, or pauses in, in your uh, striking game that we've seen. So 
Um, I was impressive that, that he worked through that and that he continued to put the pressure on with, uh, w- with T wood. Um, his punches weren't, weren't, uh, weren't having a snap on him, but at the same time, his wrestling, his placement, his, his busyness was just on point top notch. And he really showed for me that, that he deserves to be, you know, at the top of this, you know, conversation when it comes about getting a chance to fight Kamaru again. I mean, he's got, he showed to me that, that if Kamaru's number one, he's definitely, you know, number two and not far behind. I mean, the Gilbert showed a lot of promise in this fight against T Wood, but just the buzzsaw that, that, that Kobe Covington is, is really hard to replicate. Well, not only that buzzsaw in the cage, but obviously the buzzsaw of the, of the chaos, if you will, that he creates mm-hmm. outside of it. Look, uh, you know, we're going to get into this. Uh, when the president's calling you, on, on, on basically speakerphone and it's on a live interview. I mean, look, that's cool. That's uh, wherever you stand on the political divide. That's some viral shit right there. That gets attention. It also does when Colby and Kamaru do their thing in terms of m- going back and forth with trash talk. Rashad, you have a history of just sort of being there. Of course, when they nearly fought on that ESPN set ahead of their fight, you were also in the building on Saturday. They weren't face to face in this regard, but they had another lengthy verbal war uh, because of the, the the chemistry between them, not just in the cage, right? They give us five really fun stand up rounds against each other, but obviously the extreme opposite sides of the line that they stand on in a lot of different ways. Do you think that based on this performance, Kamar, uh, Colby should cut the line and get ahead of Gilbert Burns? Is there like, I mean, is, do you think that's going to be a conversation to be had in the UFC war room or is it Gilbert's time now? Let's wait and see what happens on the other side. I think it's pretty clear that it's Gilbert's time now. And honestly, I don't think uh, putting Kobe in a spot would do any favors to him. You know, he was soundly beaten by Kamaru in, in some aspects. And even watching a fight with T. Wood, it looks as if like he has some things to work through. You know what I'm saying? There's a little hesitation in the striking. You know, he wasn't as creative with his striking. He didn't throw as the variety that he normally throws with his striking in combination. So there's some kind of reservations there. And, and, and I think a, a fight with Kamaru right now wouldn't give him a chance to kind of work through whatever he may be going through. So I think a, a fight with Leon or, or, or a fight with Masvidal, another yeah. fight that that's a, that's a, that's another big draw for Kobe and stylistically it's a fight that allows him to be the bully because he's going to have a, a higher output than Masvidal too. So it allows him to be that, that output bully that he's been known to be and allow him to build his confidence. So then we can be like, okay, let's see what happens now because he's got a chance to grow a little bit since the fight. Yeah, I think Gilbert needs to be uh, Gilbert Burns needs to be rewarded for the run he was on, his willingness to take fights on short notice. I know he had to pull out, of course, of that potential uh, title opportunity, but uh, he's ready. It's his time. I'd like to see Colby Masvidal. I think that's a killer fight. It makes sense for both to have to go through one more big step to get back to the title picture, especially now that Jorge wants to take seriously his own title contention. He doesn't necessarily want to be a, you know, pay-per-view celebrity BMF type fighter. He got a taste of what it felt like to try to max himself out, albeit on short notice against Kamaru. And I think he wants to get a legitimate chance now Get a full camp. Do it the right way. Well, look, you got to go through. In my eyes, you got to go through and beat a top guy. Now, look, should UFC want to go down that road they were teasing and do the Nate rematch? Again, I don't hate it. It's going to be fun. I don't think we need it, but, you know, it's a commercial fight. It's for the it's for the the casuals. It'll it'll be fun if they do that and give 
Colby Leon Edwards, who's been long waiting for some attention that that ain't bad either. I'm just I don't think Colby should cut the line based on their history and their chemistry. Now, with that said, they can talk a trash. They can talk a good trash game back and forth. They can get people interested. Yeah. But there's there's issues. I think if Colby gets to cut the line, I think there's a gray area there. I think it looks like you're rewarding his. Maybe his politics because they coincide with the politics of the head of the UFC, right? I mean, like, you know, right. I think you don't want to do stuff like that. No, you really don't. And um, I think that given this, given this time, that this whole uh, few time to, to build even more will just make it that much hotter. You know, I think the first time going through, it built up a lot of steam, but people really need to believe that, that, things are going to be different because right now we hear it from Kobe's mouth. We see it in the frustration in his face when he's screaming and yelling at the top of his lungs, talking about he's going to destroy Marty fake newsman. You know, we see it, but I need to be sold on it in a performance that, that equates to something that I believe would give Kamaru some trouble. And I just didn't see it in that fight. Yeah. And um, well, let's get into that right now. So we can get it out of the way. Uh, Woodley's not Woodley anymore. This is three straight defeats in which it was, Largely lifeless. I thought he was more active offensively in this fight than he had been against both Gilbert Burns and against Kamaru. But Rashad, you know, look, no one, especially not a basement keyboard warrior, which is what anyone will call somebody like me who hasn't been a fighter on any kind of level and and is a journalist who literally works out of his basement most days, Rashad. So for me to say, you know, Whitley, you must hang it up. It's going to fall on deaf ears. And obviously Tyron has subsequently said, I'm not going anywhere. I still want to fight. But like Rashad, there's there's we've said it before. There's different kinds of being done. There's done when your fighting spirit is still there, like a Chuck Liddell, but your chin just can't take it. Your body can't hold up anymore. Somebody needs to rescue you from yourself. This is the flip side of that. It's it's more of the Robbie Lawler discussion we had lately where, you know, as far as fighting elites, no, you can't pull the trigger anymore. You're not entertaining. These are this was three straight dud of a fight for Tyron Woodley and it took us a while to realize, was it just a bad style matchup against Kamaru? Was it a tough night at the office? Because each time Tyron has said the right things, he's still saying the right things, Rashad, in terms of, I don't really know what happened. But that's the problem now. We have three pieces of information to look at, and he doesn't know what happened. But we know now. I think we do, right? After 14 rounds of this, yeah. uh, you know, rib injury notwithstanding. And I'm not saying that's not part of it. I'm not saying he didn't have a legit reason to you know, ask out of that fight because of it. I'm not going there at all. I'm just saying I've seen enough to know I've seen too much of, of Tyron Woodley at this level. And, um, you know, it's bad when you see a guy take too much punishment because he can't do it anymore. It's also bad when you see a guy not throw when you're like, dude, what are you doing in there? You seem content to lose when you realize in the beginning, the fight's not going to go your way. And that's not elite mixed martial arts anymore. So Rashad, if that's the way it's going to be, I do not want uh, Tyron Woodley on my TV anymore. And that's coming from a guy who loves me some T wood and has been a banger of the drum that his title reign was very underrated. And he's one of the better fighters of this era, but the, it is what it is, Rashad. I mean, can you defend him at all? No, I, I can't. You know, the thing that happened with T. Wood, and it happens to so many, uh, it, it's happening more and more. Um, but what's happening now is the fact that there's a new style of fighting that's coming in. It's more like a, of a pace style of fighting. These fighters are fighting at a higher pace. You know, the last three opponents that T. Wood lost to, they were all opponents who set a very, very high pace. And if you can't match them on just a pace level, then 
no matter what their skill level is, soon enough they're going to drown you out. And that's what we see happening in T. Wood. Now, T. T. Wood has always been one of those conservative strikers, one of those guys who sit back and just was able to capitalize on a powerful punch or powerful moments inside of a fight. But he just didn't make the proper changes that he needed to to adjust to this new the new wave that was coming in. You know, he needed to be a lot busier. He needed to throw more combinations. He needed to mix in more of his wrestling along with his strikes, along with that big powerful right hand. He needed to shake things up in his toolbox, but he didn't do it. And I think he didn't do it because of the fact that he took his eye off the ball and he didn't see that the ball was moving. He took his eye off the ball because he was, you know, busy trying to open up his uh, his brand up to do other things with TV and with music and all those other things. And that's great. But at the same time, you never can forget where, where, where you have it, you know, where your bread is buttered at. You never can forget what, what makes you the star to do everything else. And he took his eye off the ball and he forgot that. So right now he, he really has to sit back and, and see if this is something he wants to do, because I, I know what it's like to, to try to compete and then st- and not be able to compete for the prize anymore. And it's just not the same. When you've had your name in the lights, when you fought the who's who, it's really hard for you to get up for a guy who doesn't have that name, who doesn't have that same storyline around it, where the storyline is not the same at all. It's really hard to fight that guy because for him, he's just a fight you got to get through. But for, but, but, but him looking at you, you're that big opportunity. He's trying to make a name off you. And then if you're going against a cage with somebody who, sees you as the meal, then you're already at energy deficit and you're already done. Yeah, this is this is unique the way he's fallen off a cliff. Because again, it's not even Henan Barrow, who was still in his late 20s when people were just figuring him out and catching his chin and he just didn't have it at that elite level anymore, whether you believe USADA theories that Uriah Faber posted on this podcast or not. Um, but Whitley is 38, so can you get old overnight? Well, to a degree. And I think when you add in all the theories you just laid out, Eye off the ball, lack of an adjustment to the new style. And just look, look back at his last few wins. They were very efficient. He was dictating the terms. He was, like you mentioned, waiting for the big counter shots and doing certain things that, you know, maybe maybe the age caught up with him and he couldn't pull that trigger on that same level. And I don't think he's wired anymore, Rashad, when he can't, when plan A doesn't work to either want to or know how to implement plans B, C, and D. Because sometimes plans B through D, Rashad, involve you taking stiff punches to the face for four rounds to try to walk somebody down. And I don't see a guy who wants to do that anymore. And the problem is he's almost, he's still good enough not to get taken advantage of. Meaning you can grind him for three, four rounds, but we're not seeing people walk him down and finish him. Well, that's, that's, I mean, the last two fights he didn't get finished, but this fight he did get finished. So, now we're seeing more and more, but just wait. the nail, the, the, the shell has been cracked to the point now where it can just be bust open. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So right now, since the shell is cracked open and each and every single time he loses, it just gets bigger and bigger. We don't need to see it bust open. We don't need to see him get knocked out inside of one or two or three rounds, you know, to know that he shouldn't be fighting anymore. If his, if his heart's not into it, not saying that he can't um, physically do it, but you know, there's something that's just lacking when it comes to just that connection that you need in order to be that 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 dog out there to meet the other dog because you can't do it like that, you know. And and and, and here's another thing: like he he came into that fight. This is when I kind of knew that he just was not going to do 
as well as, as he was talking is when he came in with, 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 with the BLM and, 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 and not to, uh, you know, to, to bring any controversy with that, but here's, here's the reality. No matter how you feel about the movement, the reality of the situation is when you bring in something like that, which is that movement, then you're bringing in everything that that movement encompasses and everything that is tied to that movement. Now you couple that with the fact that you're on a two fight losing skid and you know, you have all the stress of that going in. So then now you, you don't only lose for yourself. And this is where I feel bad for him because now he didn't only lose for himself. He lost for the BLM movement to a MAGA guy. You know what I'm saying? And that, and that's where, and that's where it gets hard to go on your IG. It gets hard to, to talk, you know what I'm saying? Look at your social media because those fans who believe in you selling that, they're mad. You know what I'm saying? And they're going to let you hear it on yeah. both sides. They're going to shave his head. If you lose, I get to shave your head. <laughs> oh, God. What is going on? Um, no, you, you nailed it. You know, like, I mean, it sounds lame to say do it for the hood, but people were saying that ahead of this fight, right? Like, like we loved you and stood for you fight that way and, and it's just not there and i and i want to just shout him out one more time and i'd been a big woodley guy I had him number three pound for pound heading into that first camaro fight i think he deserved it rashad that five-year run on top for woodley from 2013 to 2018 just to review he went eight one and one and made four defenses of the ufc welterweight title the reason why i bring that up is do you know what we have a lot in ufc history we have very few Silva's GSP's John Jones is Amanda Nunes who can win a title and own an era. We have a lot because the sport's so difficult of guys who have won the title and lose at the next fight or, or make yeah. one defense or whatever. Mm-hmm. Woodley went, had a stretch for five years. His only loss was to Rory McDonald and the guy she beat. Good Lord. Koscheck, Condit, stun gun, Gastelum, Lawler, Thompson, Maya till. I mean, this is one of the better runs in modern UFC history. And I think that he was very underpromoted. And Rashad, let's, let's, let's ask us a critical question here. This fight was criminally underpromoted. This fight last Saturday night was supposed to be this grudge match. I don't think UFC spent a dime on trying to let you know that. And on top of that, I didn't see Colby do any public interviews. And on top of that, did you see that weird press conference during fight week on Wednesday where Dana rolled out the undercard guys? didn't allow Colby and Kamaru to have a back and forth. And then each one came out for separate five minute scrums with the media. And look, that's where Tyron decided to do the BLM for every answer. And I'm not, you know, against whatever statement he's trying to make there, but um, that just seemed weird as if even Dana was like, let me just get this out of the way and wash my hands of this thing. I didn't feel like, I mean, look, you're going to get the real grudge match. If, if, if Usman and Colby do it again, but I feel like this was a grudge match in name only, Colby and, and, and uh, Woodley. Like, they didn't seem to care about the grudge side, and I don't think UFC cared either. Well, because the, the, the calls are kind of simmered a little bit. You know, the, 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 the stakes have been kind of taken it off of because of the decline of, of Tyron, you know? So you didn't, have, you didn't have an amped up Colby anymore because now you're looking at a Colby who just felt as if I had to win. Now, now the pressure of who need to win has been switched because before – the pressure was on T Wood. And that's when you had Colby barking up his tree, saying whatever you're saying to him, you know? But now the pressure got switched up. And then Colby's like, man, I don't need I I need to I need to win a fight. You know, and, and I seen them just being more focused and just kind of being more of a fighter and, and less of a, a promoter, you know. And I think that's what we got out of Kobe. And on T Wood's side, 
I think he was just kind of relieved to not have just the questions being asked to him until it got to fight week, just because of the fact that, you know, he, he's still in that, in that fragile state of, of, of mental uncertainty, you know, where he hasn't even figured out where the hell the black box is to figure out what the hell's going on, why his plane went down, you know? That's, that's, a, that's a very fair and <laughs> harsh but fair way of uh, putting it. Uh, let me ask you one more critical question. This, this became a spinoff debate this week. Uh, look, like even Dan Lebitard of ESPN opened his national show with this topic. Uh, how far is too far in trash talk? We've had this talk before, Rashad, when Conor McGregor specifically was uh, talking about Habib's religion talking about Habib's wife. You remember the veil covering on her face? Remember when that, that got ugly on Twitter? Oh, yeah. we, were, we were thinking back to the bus incident. We were thinking back to the brawl in the cage at 229 where, thank God, it didn't get the crowd involved, but it came kind of close to getting ugly. Um, the whole idea of free speech for fighters. Luke Thomas and I had this debate on Morning Combat, and, and people came at it from a very political view of saying, oh, Luke, you left side of this, blah, blah, blah. Of course, you'd say that. But Rashad... I don't want people. I never want a corporation or a fight promotion to say this is what you can and cannot say. I would never want that because the essence of fighting is trash talk. Dude, I'm not kidding. Like, I love fights. I love the technical side. I'm a journalist. I love that. Rashad, I still get giddy for the pro wrestling side of, oh, my God, this guy said this about that guy. It's fun. It's part of the game. Sometimes it's real. Sometimes it's fake. Sometimes it's it's a gray area. But that's a big part of the game. I don't want to live in a world in boxing or MMA where you can go, oh, that was non-PC. That was too far. You can't say you hate that guy. But I will say there are consequences to certain kinds of talk. Straight up, not from a political view, I thought Colby went too far this this weekend. All right? Calling, uh, saying, you know, with the, with the specific way in the post-fight interview that he worded certain things about, you know, Tyron stands for everything that I hate. You know, and, 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 and look, I'm not trying to get into a politicized Black Lives Matter debate. I'm just saying when you frame things like that, there's a quasi-racist tone to it. And I have no problem with great African-American journalists like Andreas Hill of the Sporting News who came out with a, a scaling column against Colby's speech saying, look, if this isn't kept in check, this is going to create negative situations down the road for not just him, but the UFC in general. I'm wondering with you, Rashad, having been in the game, having been in trash talk situations, do you think there are there are lines that UFC should step in, especially when it's like, you know, a Connor disrespecting a religion or here where Tyron's calling Colby a, a racist? Colby's coming back, calling him a terrorist. Are we do we have the potential where this goes too far? Yeah, you do have the potential. Uh when it goes too far, because there's, there's, um, where we, where we're at as a world, you know what I'm saying? There, there's so, there's such a hot temperature on just so many different things. And, um, right now it's, it's like one, one far work can take a whole promotion of, of an event or a fight and take it somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? If you're promoting an event, you definitely don't want that. If you're if you got a lot of money behind Kobe Covington, you definitely don't want him to make some kind of off remark racist comment that brings a whole different light to the promotion that you didn't want in the first place. You know, so I think you do have to have some kind of just basic understanding. And here, here's the thing about it. You wouldn't need to have these these standards of of what is okay to say if people nowadays understood that. If you say certain things, you can get your ass beat. But there, but that's not how it is anymore. Now, now it's not like that before. Back in the day, 
that it, it was free speech. You understood free speech, but you always understood that if you say something, the taxes that you may receive may, may come in, in a different form. You know what I'm saying? You, you may get beat up or something like that. It was always, it was always just you understood that your words had a certain power, you know, but it's like now we're in a different day and age where the morality of human behavior has slipped to the point where there is no good, like people just don't have the judgment to say, you know what, I better not say that because that would be terrible if somebody said it to me. As much as I don't like that person, I'm not going to say that because I'm going to offend a whole slew of other people who may fit that. You know what I'm saying? There's just no, there's no morality. The morality has slipped. And if the morality has slipped, then it is up to the promotion to make sure that it does not slip for their promotion. Yeah. And, and I, and I had answered and basically said, look, I don't want to, uh, you know, I don't want to take away free speech, right? It, just, but you can lose sponsors. A who I mean, fighter fight fans don't care, but um, so I, I, you know, if a corporation has to step in for that reason, it is what it is in 2020. I also don't want the potential for spilling over. And, and Rashad, I was in the arena at 229 when the Habib uh, Connor post fight thing broke out. And I'm sorry, like for a 10 second period, I thought the crowd was going to rush into the cage and that, you know, somebody's going to pull out a gun or something. It, it got crazy for like 10 seconds before it was contained. And I think, you know, remember the palace brawl like like, dude that's that tarnished the nba for a season right for a short for for a window that was sort of like you know if you're a fan going i don't even know if i feel safe going there that's the worst thing that could happen to a fight promotion a a fan saying i don't feel safe going there well that's why i thought specifically the habib connor um level of speech especially when you're getting into religion it's the fact that this there are people on Habib side who this is not a game to them right like like right, you, know, right. you saw that they they went to get their receipt on Connor in the cage afterwards but what if that receipt happens in a in a you know public press conference with fans and media there like this is where it starts to have the potential to go too far and that's what I'm starting to feel and see when the Tyron and Colby and then it spilled into Colby versus Kamaru afterwards it, it seemed to edge into areas where it felt too far and you know I I don't want to be a part of any fight promotion where it comes down to almost feeling like it's white versus black. You know, like that's not, that's not fun to me. Like that's not fun in 2020. Maybe it worked in 1982 when it was Larry Holmes against Jerry Cooney and they kind of was like great white hope against the black. Okay. Maybe, maybe, but uh, it doesn't work anymore. And, And it's, it's way too negative. And I'm sure the UFC doesn't want that, but obviously they're in their own sort of gray area where they're, they're, outwardly pro Trump. So when you get Colby as sort of this guy afterwards, who's got the hat on and doing the phone call, then it starts to look like the promotion supports him saying things that come across as quasi racist. And I know there's some people listening to this going, the hell are you guys talking about? I want to hear about MMA. Like who cares? Well, a lot of people care. And that's the reason why I think you do have to kind of step in and be like, you know what guys insult him, insult his mama, but, but let's not take it to other areas because even when, Colby is like, hey, hey, Kamaru, what president is calling you? Is is your tribe leader sending you smoke signals? No, look, I'm not offended by that. But if there's probably a lot of people that is going, you know, that shit's quasi racist. Get that out of here. Rashad, you, there are lines in this game. It is what it is. No, you're, you're, you're right about that. You're absolutely right about that. And um, and that and that's the thing. And that's the thing about it is the fact that you, you hit it right on the head. You have to be careful with just. You know, you don't want to 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 do something like that because honestly speaking, UFC has always been a promotion that has given, you know, black athletes a chance to to shine, you know what I'm saying? And to and to be, 
you know, the first to, to, to really be a star in the organization, you know? Um, so it, it wouldn't really reflect the way that they, they, they feel just because of the fact they do back Trump and everything else like that. But uh, Kobe Covington, he, he tells the line and he gets a pass for a lot of things because the people who know Kobe, they know it's an act. They know it's an act. They know it. They know he's, he's down on that act now. You know, yeah, he's yeah. All in, oh, you know? he's yeah, he's 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 going he's going all in on that act, you know. But he's just um, that that act is 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 becoming who he is, you know. And um, for him for his sake, you know, when you're a fighter and you just walk, you know, you don't have a helmet on. You have nothing else that can can disguise your face. So when you're going out in your public and people see that shoe, you're just asking for that kind of energy no matter where you are even if you like i i was just doing it for promotion people don't care about that you know what i'm saying people are crazy nowadays it's just a different kind of temperature so he he has to watch that you know he can't even he can't even go to att because of the things he said about the brazilians and things he said about his teammates because not everybody is with all that that mouth and not everybody's going to take it and that's something that he has to understand but that goes back to just the, the morality base, the moral base that I was saying that you have to have as an athlete and as a fighter. Yeah, and 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 I, I fully get anybody who's going, well, you guys talk great about Connor all the time. He says some er, er, you know, er, apprehensible shit or whatever the word I'm looking for is. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, again, there's lines to everything. I don't want to see it go over for many, many different reasons, but I love it. I love me some trash talk, okay? Rashad, I love me some trash talk so much that when the ESPN MMA Twitter account put out a video of Adesanya and Costa arriving on Sunday night in uh, Abu Dhabi, did you see that one where they they kind of half bro-hugged each other and were like, hey man, you're looking fit, you're looking good. Yeah. I was like, Get this shit off my TV! Yeah, these guys yeah. are supposed to hate each other. I'm a pro wrestling fan. Like, Let me keep believing that these guys will throw down at any minute, you you know what I mean? Don't be showing me that. So what I, I say that story to tell you, like, I'm not trying to sit here and say, you know, let's clean up all talk. No, but let's 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 tow that line the right way. All right. Let's keep it. In right. Way. Right. Right. And, and you see, and that was a perfect example of two athletes who told that line the right way. You know, there is that there is that downward hate. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to destroy you. But at the same time, there's that healthy respect where they can have a moment to, to have a, a, a mental play with each other. You know what I'm saying? And that's and that's the difference, you know. Even even with me and Rampage, when we had our thing, there's times that I wanted to kill him, but I knew not to cross the line. I never brought up his car accident. I never brought up things like that that could really, you know, damage him and damage the way people look at him because that wasn't my place to do that. Even when I was fighting John Jones, I never divulged any information I knew about him or said anything about the kind of person I thought he was uh, with with anything else because I. That wasn't my place to do that. You know, that's not what the fight was about. It was about the trash talk between him and I, you know. Take Rashad's nuts out your mouth, then talk to me. All right. Uh, let's let's run through the rest of that card quickly, Rashad, because uh, there are a lot of mini storylines. That was a pretty loaded fight night card on Saturday night. Uh, what do we make of this Donald Cerrone-Nico Price fight? It didn't live up to the, you know, crazy all-action potential it was okay to watch but it was weird on like a thousand levels why was nico price so excited about coming away with the draw and why is he so excited about wanting to fight this man again like i get like it you know you respect the legend and and, and cowboy Cerrone has been in his own way certainly a, a legend but i exited this fight not really wanting to see cowboy take punishment anymore rashad and feeling like shouldn't nico price have beaten him where, where do you where do you sit on this 
Yeah, I, I think I think just for um for Nico, you know, Nico Nico's just that kind of guy where he's, you know, he he he's a journeyman type of fighter, and he's just happy that he's getting his name called. You know, he's getting his name called, and he's getting his chance to to stand amongst the big boys. And that, and and on Saturday was a big big night for him to take a step in the right direction to 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 have his name and, and to sit at the table with some of the big guys and potentially have you know, get the big matchups and get some of the big money that he's seen all these other fighters get. So for him, it was, it was, I guess, a coming of age. And I think that's why he was just overly excited about that. And I think the overexcitement affected the way that he fought because it, it seemed as if he had like a huge energy dump after the first round. And then he got extremely tired and really couldn't put Cowboy away uh, with the same pressure that we've seen him being able to put him away or potentially put him away in the first round. You know, we've seen kind of, um, Cowboy come back in this fight and not, you know, not because Cowboy was doing what Cowboy normally does to come back, but it was more or less like a lack of what Nico wasn't doing. You know, he just got sloppier and sloppier and um, Cowboy still got that dog in him. So he was able to chip away. But like, like you were saying, you know, it seemed as if like Cowboy got old overnight, you know, and I always say, you can always tell when a fighter is getting older because you see it in the legs. And at the end of that, that the um, the fight when you when you seen the two of them talking and doing an interview, the first thing Cowboy was saying is like, "Man, I wanted to kick you, but I just my legs, you know, I just couldn't kick." Yeah, it was the first time I saw Cowboy because normally when he takes a bad loss, he says, uh, "Oh, I'm gonna fight till I'm you know 45." That was the first time I saw him o- almost openly contemplate like I can't do what I want in there anymore. Uh, I was actually sad when he got the draw, Rashad, because he'd, he'd been on a four-fight losing streak. I didn't think he looked great, and the draw almost kind of gave him, you know, I'm like, what's his reward for the draw going to be, right? Three more losses? I'm not really sure. I hope they navigate this stretch responsibly. That's all I'm saying. If he wants to keep fighting, put him in there with Guida, Diego Sanchez, right? That level of matchmaking. I'm not saying Nico Price was a world beater. I'm saying, like, can we can we can we book this the right way? If he wants to, right. you know, we can give him a couple of victory laps on the way out. You know, a couple old guys. Yeah, I I, to- I totally agree. I totally agree, and um, I think that's what they were trying to do. I think it was more or less them trying to pass the torch on a cowboy like type fighter, and I think that's why they wanted to have him match cowboy so they can take the endearing cowboy fans who love that wild style, crazy style, and say, hey. Cowboy's going, but now we have Nico Price, <laughs> you know? There you go. Uh, Rashad, we can't bury this lead any longer. The star of this entire card really was Kamzat Chemaev. Uh, he sent Gerald Mearshart to the deep dark depths in 17 seconds with one right hand. The hype train was, was loud coming in. I don't think any of us could have predicted this, though, right? Like the first real setup. And the first time he touched that chin against, you know, a gritty veteran and Mearshart. I mean, he he destroyed him. You, Rashad, this is like when you want to find out if the hype's real and the hype explodes all over your face, right? Like this is like <laughs> this was insane. Um, we always we we were learning to be careful at trying to give somebody the world too quickly. Right. Even Johnny Walker. Right. We gave him the we gave it to. Oh, well, how would he look against John Jones and Corey Anderson's like, let's bring this fella back down to earth. OK, um, I don't think we can hold back anymore on, on Chimaev. Are we allowed to just go nuts and, and take our things out and, and slap it against the table? Because I'm ready. I'm buying <laughs> all the stock. OK, I'm buying all the damn stock, please. 
<laughs> DC, remember what I said last week? Remember how I was gassing him up and I was like, he's one of the best I've ever seen? Remember yeah. when I was saying it? I wasn't lying. Like, this dude showed me some things and just watching him train, I just seen some things that I just, I just haven't seen in, uh, in an athlete in a long time. And he was just like a... It was it was honestly like a a, a, um, a movie star, you know, saying like it was like scripted, scripted moves. That's how ahead of the, the moves he were of his guys that he was training with and sparring with and just the timing and precision. So even watching that, watching him do that to the guys in training, you just knew there was another level that he could have hit if the guys he was training with were better. So it just left me to just summarize. I'm, summarize I'm just like, man, this dude is just it's got a whole nother level that we're yet to see. And I wasn't too surprised on what I seen on Saturday. I just, I just didn't expect it to be that fast. And um, he he's dangerous whether he can do it. Now here's the thing about it. I know he can be a force at 185. I just wonder if cutting down to 170 will cut into some of those attributes, attributes that we see him, you know, looking so well at, at 185, you know what I'm saying? He's, he's clear. He's, he's got fast timing. He, you know what I'm saying? He's got a nice physique, nice build to him. So if you go back and forth after a while, I don't care who you are, your body's going to take some, some effects to that. You know what I'm saying? So I think that even though he has great promise to do both, I think 185 would probably be best for him. That's interesting because he's floated back and forth in his last three fights between the two divisions, having uh, knocked out in the welterweight fight the last time, Reese McKee. The first fight was a uh, middleweight bout against John Phillips in his UFC debut in July. Now he's fought three times in a couple months. And, and what? They're talking about bringing him back in Abu Dhabi? This go yeah. around? Yeah. I mean, Rashad, it's only three UFC fights, but it's a submission and two knockouts. And I think the difference between overblowing a prospect here and getting him into deep water that he's not ready for comparative to somebody like Johnny Walker is Johnny Walker had spectacular freak, almost knockout. Like, right. Like he's just so athletic. He's walked into this shit and guys are falling, but I didn't necessarily see through interviews or through training. Like you're mentioning, you know, necessarily a killer there. I see a killer in Chemayev. I see a guy who, you know, when he talks trash and, and, and throws out the names that he's ready for, you know, we've said it before. It, it reminds me of like early Conor McGregor. It reminds me of somebody who are like, wow, there's an it factor coming out of that guy. And a lot of times the it is a next level amount of confidence in a in a sort of just understanding that whatever platform they step up to to climb this ladder, they are beyond ready for it. Like they're they're yeah. not. You know what I mean? They're, so, yeah, I want to see him against a Damian Mai. I want to see him get challenged by a guy in one specific thing where he could look bad. But what is the limit on how quickly they should match him the rest of this year? Because it seems like he's ready to go every couple of weeks. I mean, he, he's chewing up the competition so fast. I think you, you let him chew up uh, enough grass to put him up in uh, title contention or put him put him in a place where he's he's a top prospect in that d- division. But then you just kind of lay off him a little bit and uh, give him a chance to to get a little bit better and then bring him back out next year. I think that. You, you can uh, blow him out as far as just even no matter how ready he is, you can, you know, push him too much, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and blow him out too fast. So I think that if it depends, you know, it all depends on how these next few fights go. You know what I'm saying? If he, if he goes out there and have two more 15 second fights, then <laughs> you might just need to slow him down just to save your competition. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it, it's, 
he, he's, he's getting wild. He's he great. He's, he's great. He's, Rashad, he's no. freaking great. All right. Yeah, he is. Let's, he is. Let's see how it goes. Let's see what happens. I have nothing bad to say about him. Uh, Johnny Walker rebounded with the with the stoppage in the first round against Ryan Span. Look, Rashad, he didn't look otherworldly, but he needed that win, right? Our our, our guy, the the cowboy. Yeah. No, he he needed it in the um. He he caught a break, man. He caught a break because I'll tell you what, uh, he got a, he got away with a couple shots that that were in the back of the head that rocked Span and, and uh, you know definitely gave him a position, put him in position to to finish Span. But just that mm-hmm. that back and forth, you know, he showed to me that he didn't really tighten up those areas in which he got him caught when he fought Corey Anderson. He's still kind of loose, you know, and um, you know Johnny Walker's got a settle down a little bit, get himself into a camp and get himself disciplined enough to just uh, consistently be training to work on those holes and to cover up those loose gaps because he has a lot of great energy when it comes to fighting and a lot of creativity when it comes to putting in different moves. But at the end of the day, if you're not fundamentally sound, then you're going to get caught. Someone's going to slip in through those cracks. And we've seen it with Span. You know, Span was a little bit smarter when with with his fighting style then he would have been able to take advantage of when he had Johnny uh hurt but he span is still learning himself you know and he's lucky that span is the one who wasn't able to take advantage of that versus somebody else yeah absolutely uh all the other thing on that card that jumped out to me is uh it's early but Mackenzie Dern's starting to put it together Rashad and I know her striking isn't otherworldly but I want to just comment on the shape she came in I mean that's as like fit and, and, and focus and i think at the beginning of her career she was a little bit more of an attraction fighter and you know had trouble committing to this weight division but seemed stubborn that she was going to make a go of it at straw weight i know random marcos is now 10 10 and 1 and she's you know and she made a really poor decision to go on the ground there so i'm not going to say more than i should because look if you still look at Mackenzie dern's resume there's there's a lot of wins over hannah cypher types and again not no disrespect to hannah cypher who's had the worst quarantine uh since god since cliff robinson so r.i.p but um uh rashad i will say this she's starting to put it together and um she's gonna be a tough out when she is ready for those top 10 top five foes she's getting there i got nothing again i got nothing bad to say you think do you think it'll matter that the stand-up, she's got a big right hand, but the stand-up's not, it's not there where, where the ground game is. At what point does, does that get into her in, into trouble? Will it? Because she's big for this weight class. She's a tough out, man. Well, she, like you said, her physique looked amazing. And that's one thing that that's always been a hole for me when it comes to just getting on the Mackenzie Dern hype train. You know, I just didn't think that physically speaking, you know, she was tight enough. And uh, she came in very tight. And and very tight up top, you know, her shoulders look like they were they were good. She has some nice caps on her shoulders, look like she's been punching a lot. And her striking looked very improved. So, you know, she she's been working and 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 training there and, and um her hands has gotten so much better. You know, she's working with Perillo and Perillo is, is definitely kind of turning turning a corner on her hands, getting her more confident throwing her hands. And I think that's the biggest thing that Mackenzie needed. She needed to be able to have the confidence in her striking. Uh, Rashad, one other piece of business from this past weekend. Uh, I don't know if uh, referee Chris Tyone is going to be allowed at any Zufa Christmas parties, but uh, he almost got that girl's nose busted in against Jessica Rose Clark. Uh, th- some people say he was right, though, because of the rules. Man, people don't know the rules from one town to the other. Bad run for this ref because that was kind of brutal. It was, man. It's very unfortunate because, 
you know, I can kind of see just playing devil's advocate how on both ends, you know, he can give be given a pass because it's very hard to see. You know, it was very hard to see in both situations. And then especially on this last one uh, with the new rule changes, you know, I think until they have everything ironed out with the whole rules and decide on how they want to uh, pursue and go with things from there and make sure they inform the fighters, because that's one thing. It's, it's okay to have a rule change, but when, you know, every party involved is not informed, the fighters not informed with the new rule change, then it sets up a recipe for uh, problems. And that's what we've seen happening here. So I, I think give them one more chance, allow some things to settle with the whole rule change and see what happens from there. Yeah, it was, it was tough to see her. Uh, just, I mean, she got her face bashed in. All right, Rashad, let's get the hell out of there. Uh, the only bit of news I wanted to hit before we get into this weekend uh, is Michael Chandler officially with the UFC, but some of the weird sort of fallout news there was you, Dana White saying no to paying the money for Dustin Poirier to face Tony Ferguson later this year and instead announcing that Chandler's there, which is great, great for everybody. I think that's a better move for UFC Bellator and Chandler combined but not doing it by announcing a big fight. Instead, announcing that Chandler would essentially be the backup on call for when, for when excuse me, Habib Namagomedov faces Justin Gaethje for the lightweight title. Now, Rashad, I'm certainly not against Chandler filling in for either of those guys. I'm not against Chandler fighting anyone in like the top 50 at lightweight because he makes great fights. This just didn't feel like... Holy crap, we got this great new free agent. We're going to launch him on people. If you don't want to pay Dustin what he feels he's worth, I don't know what he's asking for. I can't figure that out for you. But then why don't you make Tony Ferguson against Michael Chandler? People would take their pants off for that fight. Am I wrong? I feel you. Yeah, and that's the thing about it. Who knows what what um, what uh, Dustin is asking for. You know, when, when you fight Habib or... Uh, Colin McGregor, those guys are the guys who are breaking the bank when it comes to making that bread in the UFC. So when fighters fight that fight, you know, they usually get compensated pretty good for that. And that becomes the standard in which they wish to get paid from then on out, you know, and that's where the problem usually lies. So um, I, I can kind of see them maybe holding back with that situation. Like I said, I don't know the particulars of that particular situation, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you have, you have, uh, a guy in Michael Chandler that's waiting in the wings, you know, hot, ready to come in, still in great shape. Uh, and you have Tony who needs who needs a dancing partner and needs to get somebody rather quickly because, you know, every single day that, that, that gracefulness that, you know, he has gets a day older. So you want to seize that as much as possible. So, yeah, I, I totally get it. I think that there should be something in there. But another thing is to be said for Michael Chandler being able to get that, ability to just splash and make a splash in a in the weight class by being the uh the backup for for such a big fight right out the gate well know, i mean i think the there's nuts. another way to do this is have him on the same card have him against like we talked about a paul felder or a kevin lee somebody who's the perfect entry point opponent but then still let people know oh by the way if that main event falls apart at any form Chandler's the guy moving up. I think you can accomplish both. Chandler did tell Brett Okamoto that, uh, you know, he t- he said yes to everything to the UFC. You know, he told him he'd fight next month if they wanted. Like, he told him, like, you know, I'll do whatever you want against anybody. So he's willing. It- it's just, I-, I didn't like the way this sort of makes this, it makes this announcement feel a little muted. You know, it's like, we got this guy and he's going to be the backup. You know, come on. What are we doing here? Whatever. Uh, how much can I complain, Rashad? UFC has been the hero of the quarantine, and this Saturday's card 
top-heavy card, but this Saturday's card absolutely bangs. So I'm not here to bash Dana and company on the small things. It's time to focus on what really matters. We're back in Abu Dhabi this Saturday, the first of uh, of another four to five fight card stand over the next couple weeks. Uh, that's where the money is. I don't care where they're put. Put them on the moon, okay? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fired up. I'm gonna be watching. I've also secured an island. I've got an island. The infrastructure is being built right now. It's built. It's ready. It's going to take place on Yaz Island, and it's for the middleweight championship. It's Israel Adesanya against Paulo Costa. Rashad, this uh, good God, I'm excited for this fight. You I mean throw your analyst hat into the garbage just as a fan? Damn. I mean, I've used this joke before, but it's true, Rashad. You ever, I don't know what they do where you're from. When a guy gets married, where I'm from, in in uh, in the uh, you know, the Naugatuck Valley in Connecticut and the Industrial Valley. See, I'm from Connecticut. People think, oh, this guy's, you know, he must be a Greenwich High Roller. No, I'm from like a factory town, all right? And when a guy gets married, he has a stag. You know what those are? Those st- like oh, a yeah, stag party. Stag. I know stag. Yeah, you, 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 you rent the local Polish hall, right? You get a couple kegs. You get some really cheap buffet food. Everyone you know comes, people that won't even get invited to the wedding. They pay their $20. They eat and drink as much as they want. They spend money on the raffle gifts. And every, and then what you do is that pays for your honeymoon. And then afterwards, everybody goes out to the bar or strip club. It's an old school tradition, Rashad. All right? Yes, yes. I'm but, quite aware. But what you do is you bring a... You bring a gift for the raffle, right? You, you yeah. they could be a cheesy. You can grab, grab a thirty pack of Bud. I've seen many a thirty pack of Bud get raffled off. What I used to do, Rashad, was next level. Okay, I'd go to the nudie store, get a brown paper bag, fill it with the grossest nudie mags I can find, and then with black magic marker, write bag o porn on it. Okay, bag dash o dash porn. And the reason I would do this was an experiment. Rashad, I've gone to some classy stags where you walk in there. There's golf clubs. There's like a PlayStation. There's like there's legitimate stag prizes where they want you to buy as many raffle tickets as you can, right, and have a chance to win it. You put bag of porn down on the table. I have seen many an old fella win win the first raffle. Go right past the golf clubs and pick up bag of porn. I'm not fooling around, <laughs> Rashad. All right? It is what it is. Adesanya Costa is bag old porn. It's going to deliver. <laughs> it's going to bang. Oh, yeah, it happens to really matter, right? It's the first unbeaten champion versus unbeaten champion in UFC males since the Machida era, since you fought Lyoto for the light heavyweight title. This don't happen every day. I know Rousey and Holm were both unbeaten, but, you know, in a sport where L's can happen at any point, that's that's rare. This is a big ass fight that matters. And even like I said, separate from the fanfare, the title, where they are in their careers, what's going to happen inside that cage for five rounds or less has me freaking pumped. Oh my gosh, you you got me pumped just talking about it. And you're absolutely right. You know, um, I, I just I just keep going like I'm. I keep going how this fight's going to play out in my mind. You know what I'm saying? And that's what keeps me just so excited. But just not really knowing how it's going to play out. I, I, every time I see it play out, I always see it playing out for Israel. But, you know, you got such a beast in Paula Costa. And, you know, technically speaking, he showed me something in that fight with Romero where it's just not all brawn. It's just not all strength. It's just not all 
grit and heart. He's got some technique. He's got some skill in there. And this fight's going to be interesting, man. This is uh, this is definitely my bag of porn. Yeah, this is bag of everything right now. Why don't we take a quick, uh, let's hit it right now. Let's bring in Israel Adesanya. We'll throw to the interview. We'll react on the other side. It's the middleweight champion right now. Enjoy it. Israel Adesanya, or is it a Adesanya? What the hell is going on here, Izzy? Uh, you're asking me questions? Champ. I've been, have I been pronouncing it wrong for years? Please, settle the record for me. I hear Ariel saying it, Brett Okamoto saying it. What should I say, brother? Just call me Izzy Adesanya. That's for you. I'm good on that. I'm good on that, Stylebender. Fired up like everybody else. <laughs> 253, Paulo Costa. Uh, they say if any championship fight in UFC history guaranteed that it would bang, it would be this one. Is that a fact from your standpoint? That's facts. That's all facts. Can it be any other way, given his, given his style? I don't know. I mean, I don't find being anything like the last fight. That's what you're referring to. Um, it's going to go one or two. It's going to go with me stopping him early or just pulling him and clashing until he gives up. Now, look, there's been... Uh, That's the two ways I see the fight going. Oh, I can see both of those taking place as well. Uh, we love the beef between the two of you. What is the origin? When did this start? Um, there wasn't really an origin. It's just energies. Uh, there's certain energies that mix with a certain energy that don't mix well. You have to be able to understand and read it and also protect your energetic space. So that's what I did, you know, clean my energetic space and... It just happened to be vibrating around the area, and I like that. And it doesn't have to be a reason. It's mutual. There's no reason. I just don't like you. You don't like me. Fuck you. Fuck you. Uh, when you hear him say things like, I'm in Izzy's head, uh, Izzy is a runner, I fight like a real man, how do you respond to that? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. I don't know. Whatever he has to tell himself to sleep at night, he fights like a real man. Well, define that exactly. What is it? Real? What do you understand? I fight like a real man. Yeah, sure. Um, check my resume. That's all I can say. Check my resume. Not just my last fight. I don't want a hundred fights. One fight doesn't define me. So yeah, you should do some history and check my resume. Uh, talk to me about that Romero fight. Do you regret anything? I mean, you won the fight. It was it was what it was because of the way Yoel made it. So how do you look back on that when people try to criticize you? Exactly. It was, it was because of the way Yoel made it. But I don't regret anything. I'm happy the way it turned out. Um, I needed this for my story. You know, in any movie, uh, the protagonist can't just have everything going well for him. So we needed something to go, kind of go off a little bit without me losing. And this is the best case scenario. Um, I had a fight that was a bit like Buster and yeah, it is what it is. But now, as any movie has a valley, there's a bit where it comes up again. And this is the part where it comes up again. And what, you know, that antagonist up against this bitch or Hopper. I mean, is it, is it fair to say that you, you use the uh, the fuel from the criticism, so anybody that didn't like that fight, you're extra motivated to to give them what they think they want in this one. 
Nope. Nope, not really. I'm always just motivated. I'm always just worried about myself. I could get two fucks for a motherfucker who never even jumped in the cake things, no matter what they're doing. So, um, yeah, I'm not extra motivated or anything like that. I'm just, I just want to show out like I always do. Uh, if this becomes an emotional fight, which trash talk fueled fights have the the chance to become, not everybody fights well when they're mm-hmm. when they're uh, when they're jacked up on emotions. How do you think that will affect this fight if it ends up turning into more of a mano y mano war? Yeah, well, if it affects this fight, it's not gonna be on my side because I'm not a very um, what do I say reactive person. I've learned something from my therapist. He said, instead of re- reacting, it's to think about responding. There's a lot of things I haven't spoke about it all the times where I don't, I try not to react. I respond. And, um, yeah, I make other people react. You can see, I go to tips out on national TV, so he's reacting very well. That's fair, That's fair stuff. Um, is it possible? I mean, you, you're on such an incredible unbeaten run. Is it actually possible to to do what Mayweather did in boxing and run the gamut unbeaten at this level with this type of competition? 100 percent, it is possible. But um, you you can do it in another promotion. You can do it. You can get it done in the UFC. But um, you just there's way there's a difference between boxing, the way it's run, and the way the UFC run. You know, in the UFC, fans want to fight. It normally gets made, you know, fairly quickly. Doesn't take too long. Um, but yeah, it is possible. I think. Does it matter? How much is it? Is it on your mind? Oh, what record? No, fuck no. I've lost before. I've lost in kickboxing, and that doesn't take away from the great striker that I am. Um, yeah, if anything, I just learned a lot from my losses. Whenever I had them next, I always knock someone out. Um. But yeah, I don't, losses don't really mean much. It's just about the challenges and just the, the victories. Yeah, I'll say losses don't mean much, sorry. They do. The records don't mean much. The record doesn't really, there's many great fighters even fighting right now with shit records, but, you know, no one cares because they're great fighters, they're, they're great artists. Do you respect Paulo Costa as a man? As a man? I don't know him. How can I respect something that I don't know? What do you think of him for what you had know through the through the interactions you've had with him? What do you think of him? Oh, well, this, this is like I, I said it um, on the earlier interviews I've done. It's just energy. It's just some energies don't mix, and that's okay. You just have to put your energy in space. And yeah, the energy I get from him is a fuckboy. A fuckboy. So, fuck fuckboys. I've heard you make uh, responses to him that have been sort of jabs at the idea of PEDs. Is that something you believe when you look at him? Um, yeah, well, it looks like a duck, cracks like a duck, acts like a duck. And, yeah, the streets are talking anyway. So, I don't, it's not something, I said it like years ago, like a year and a half ago, you know, I'm going to pop him before you said it does. And I plan on doing that. Uh, in light of that, can he go five hard championship rounds against you? Which Hell this- no. Hell no. Hell fucking no. Hell, dude, I guess that's the one round. That's definitely a big no. There's no way. It's easy to knock someone out when they're tired. You just have to drag him into defense. 
can find swim and watch them drown. They can't even just do it to themselves. Well, speaking of the deep waters, you went there with Gastelum. I was cage side. It's the greatest fight I've ever seen in person. Uh, so thank you for that, by the way, uh, whether you care about that or not. Um, you poured out the jug. No, I appreciate much... it. Thank you. No, I, I mean that. I mean that. How much of the jug did you actually pour out? You know, if there's 100% in there, did you have to use it all that night? Nope. After that first round, within a minute and a half, I remember saying to Eugene in the cage, I'm going to the ground. I said it to him in the cage. And that was because I tapped to another another level I didn't realize I had. And in the fourth round, I was giving it my all. I thought that was it. But then in the fifth round, I, you know, my famous last words, you're not going to beat me. I'm prepared to die. I said that to him across the cage. And then I found this new serve that I didn't even realize I had. And you watch that fifth round again. I did not take my foot off the gas the whole time. At one point, I'm walking down. I'm calling them on because I just had, I was just in God mode. So, yeah, um, there's no limit. Like you think you found the limit, but then there's a limit. There's always another, another, another reserve, another plateau. So I aim to find that not just in fighting, but in life, like over and over and over again. Uh, what about the hair color on fight night? I've seen you sport a few different kinds of late. What, what are we planning here? Is this a secret? Oh, right now my, my hair is back to like a low cut Caesar. The hair color I was just doing, fucking around with, because while I still have hair, I want to try things I haven't tried before. And yeah, so both times success. So hair color fight night, I'll probably just have a, a fade, a high top, maybe more low cut season. Who knows? Might even go bald. Okay, I don't know. We're away on the All right, let me close with this. Um, to be where you're at, you got to believe you're the best. Uh, do you walk around believing you're the best fighter to ever step foot in the UFC cage? Um, when you say walk around, like if you mean like. Every day, day to day, just walking around. For me personally, no. Uh, I don't walk around feeling like I'm this shit all the time. <laughs> but um, there's moments when it, I have to either remind myself or I'm reminded that, oh, yeah, I'm a bad motherfucker. But most times, I'm just like, I'm about to play Fall Guys right now. I'm talking to you. It's a new game on PS4, and it's real cute. So while I'm playing this, I'm not thinking I'm the best fighter in the world. I'm just. The fall guys, it's cute. But is that your mission? Is that your mission to exit as the goat? Yeah, mic drop. Bang. Love it. Uh, Izzy, thank you for the time. Best of luck. Uh, this is gonna be uh, it's gonna be a night to remember. I'm feeling it in my loins, man. Okay, so best of luck out there. Go get them. Thank you. Take Thanks, care. Sir. All right, special thanks to Izzy Rasad. Apparently, it is a Desanya. I don't know if I'm ready for that. All right, I don't, I'm, trying, I'm trying to be disrespectful, but Adesanya just has a powerful ring to it, okay? I'm going to keep calling him that. Uh, Rashad, he said it. Oil and water don't mix. Energies don't mix. It's not that as if he hates Paulo Costa, right? But yeah. he just knows when they're in the same room, they can just feel it. I'm not going to get along with that guy. Have you had that as a fighter where you just oh, look, yeah. you, it's, you can feel it? That's real? Yeah, it's real. It's definitely real. You feel it. You feel it. You can just tell. Like, you're just like, man, get me away from this person right now before the situation erupts. Two alphas. <laughs> Two alphas going to get Two in that alphas. cage. Absolutely. And, you and, feel it. And, uh, and get it on. Um, okay, so I'm excited about this for the contrast in styles, the matchup, the potential of action, all that. But, Rashad, as I teased before the start of that interview, we just don't get unbeaten champion versus unbeaten challenger. It's just not a thing. Um mm-hmm. Somebody's O must go, all that crap right there. 
I, I, this might be as excited as I've been in a long freaking time yet. Yet. It's not that I don't think Paulo Costa has a chance to, to upset the apple cart and get a knockout. Of course he does. I just feel like his style is perfectly suited for what Israel Adesanya does. I'm not saying Paulo's one-dimensional. I'm not saying he's, you know, there's wrinkles there for sure. But you said you played out this scenario in your head so many times. My head is telling me that this could be one of those fights where we get so amped up at the potential of what's going to happen and what actually does happen is this hot knife called Israel Adesanya slices through the butter. Now, to believe that's going to happen, you might have to believe that Israel Adesanya has that potential to be an all-time great in this sport. Rashad, I believe. I do. We just had to talk with him about, is it possible to go unbeaten? Does it matter? Are you walking around thinking you're the GOAT? I'm seeing things from him in the cage that, that, you know, that Romero fight was what it was for Adesanya, right? It was a weird pace and a weird style, and, and you know, you move on. I think if he hadn't gone through the hell that was the Gastelum fight, he wouldn't have known and we wouldn't have known that if it gets hairy in there, he can handle himself. Because I know that, I just feel like he hasn't even had to show us yet how great his striking actually is and that the more Costa tries to do Borashina-type things, which is just hulk up and come after you, he might be walking into a counter knockout here, Rashad. All right, to take me off the ledge that is Adesanya might be the next, the next of these guys who get entry into the goat room because he looks that great right now. Take me off of the drugs that I'm on of all things style bender. I can't because I feel those drugs too. I feel a lot of the same hype you do. But here's what I will say that uh, Costa does have that can give Israel some problems. You know, if you recall the fight with Robert Whitaker. Um, Israel was able to escape some of Robert Whitaker's combinations just by the narrowest margins and, and, and maybe by design or maybe by the simple fact that when Robert Whitaker was, was with his punches, he didn't have much progression on his punches, meaning he wasn't moving forward enough. Now with a guy like Costa, who's that brute, that honking figure, you know, you may be able to snipe him with a few shots, but he's still coming forward. And if Israel's not off that line or in a position where his head isn't high or isn't having his head leaned back like we've seen Anderson Silva when he got caught by Chris Wyman, you know what I'm saying? If he's not in a position like that, then he, he, he makes it out of, uh, of all Bohochinia's, uh crazy looping punches without being scathed. But if he zigs where he should have zagged, then we can be looking at an upset knockout off of, you know, much like we've seen Anderson Silva. And that's what I, and that's when I say it's been playing back and forth to me in my mind because I can see something like that happen. Up down the middle, um Adesanya should should light him up. Light him up down the middle. Cause because Bohachini gets wide sometime, you know? So if he lights him up the middle, he should be able to get him. But there is that chance where Adesanya doesn't get off that line sometimes and he can get walked down by a very hungry and a very durable Costa. And the same kind of durability that we've seen him have when he fought Romero, who's one of the hardest strikers, who's one of the most powerful guys in weight class, he might be able to walk through some of those Adesanya punches and still be there That's to wear point. on the gas tank of Adesanya. 
he does. So that's he what coming. I see in this fight. But I mean, with with the finesse style of Adesanya, I think he may end the fight early. It's going to be crazy because you know, for everything I said about the Gastelum fight, you look, I think. Boracini is a more dangerous fighter. You know, I think Gastelum elevated himself to legit elite level that night. You know, he's been up and down throughout his career. That night, though, we got whatever was the best inside of Gastelum. And it wasn't enough, but it did push Izzy to the absolute limit. And you know why it pushed him? Not to cut you off, because Gastelum kept pushing forward. You know, early out in that fight, it looked as if like it was going to be a landslide because the style bender was sharp shooting him and he was just dropping like he dropped him like two or three times. But then once uh, Gesslem kept coming, then a fight took on a different complexion. We're going to find there's going to become an early point where we're going to find out, Rashad, if Costa has more, if he's got more plans, if he's got more angles than we think. Because you're, yes, you're right. He's going to come in. He's going to eat some things. In the beginning, he's probably going to keep coming. How much can he keep coming if he's going to come in a straight line and Adesanya's picking him off? It's going to, it could end up looking like the Whitaker fight. It could end up looking like a lot of things. Does Paulo Costa have more in the tank than we're giving him credit for? It's tough to know because his UFC run has been knockout, 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 Ro- Romero fight, which was back and forth like crazy. Will this fight go to the ground at all, Rashad? Or is this going to be, for as long as it lasts, just a beautiful chess match of bang? I think it's going to be a beautiful chess match of bang. Yeah, I, say I that. Yeah, that, I, I really do. I think that the smart the smart move would be to get uh, Adesanya on the ground. But when you have a guy who's not typically a wrestler, to invest in what it's going to have, what he's going to have to invest in to get Adesanya on the ground, who's going to be very weary of it, is not going to be a, a fair energy trade for him. And especially when your guy is so hulked up and so muscular, like. Costa, it doesn't take much of a grappling situation to blow those muscles up where you can't even throw a punch anymore. You know what I'm saying? So he might want to lay off all things that may be grappling just because of the fact that your muscles become so inflated if you start to do too many wrestling stuff because that lactic acid, it gets harder to flush once you start putting the wrestling on. Well, you brought up a key point here. Uh, the Him walking through guys, right? It's looked. It's been fun. It's been great, but it's all come within three rounds. And the the, the fight pace he fought with against Romero was just insane. Both were sucking win at the end of round one. And I'll give I'll give obviously Costa credit. He won a close fight. Look, I thought Romero won. It's fine. It was a close fight. He did. You know, he had enough gas to go the the three round limit. But this is five rounds. This is championship stuff. This is big boy stuff. I asked Izzy. We just heard. Uh, I'm saying, you know, Izzy, you've called him a roid head before. So can he, in your mind, go five? hard championship rounds and and Adesanya left. Rashad, I have the same kind of doubts. Can a guy that aggressive with that big of a frame prepare himself for two more rounds of this? Even Romero has had trouble in five-round championship fights. I mean, we look at some of the Whitaker fights. He's had to take full rounds off to kind of recover. You can't keep that up. If So this is the long way of saying, Rashad, if Costa has to water himself down to a certain degree, fearing the idea of what will it look like in rounds four and five, is that going to open up the room for Adesanya to potentially take complete control of this fight? Absolutely. When you, you can't, he, he can't, he cannot fight for one second in this fight unintended, meaning the fact that he can't fight in a way he does not choose to fight or is not behooving him to win the fight. You know what I'm saying? There's no breaks when you go against a guy like Adesanya. So whether he believes he can make it the whole five rounds, he better hope so. He better hope that he better go whole 
a hard three rounds because here's the thing about it. If I knew that my gas tank wasn't the best and I may have hard, uh, hard time making it for five rounds, what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to put a hard pace on for at least the time that I know I can go. And then hopefully if I done my job right, my opponent is as tired as I am. Right. I would have I would have been able to push my pace enough where I put him into energy deficit. So I'm not looking to. So he's not looking to just, you know, catch his second win on rounds four and five and blow past me. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that's what the, the what um, what Costa has to do. He has to go out there and just kind of implement his style from the gate and not worried about get tired. I mean, when you have muscles like that. You're gonna get tired. You're gonna get tired. It's just, it's just what. So happens. his intention at all times has to be knockout. It cannot be. It has to. It cannot be preservation or let me try nope. to win a decision because I don't know if he can. So here's nope. what's interesting. Look, you got to give credit to odds makers book. You know the guys who set these lines. They always know things. There's many times even us, Rashad, even you as Mystic Shot, I'm sure look at odds and go, oh, that doesn't that doesn't feel right. But some they just know things. Uh, they have a very interesting, which means they have a very close. Our friends at William Hill have Adesanya as the favorite at minus 189, Costa as the underdog at plus 150. Mm. But, Rashad, I'm sorry. I, I, I think it's a, it should be. Give, uh, Costa is a million percent dangerous in there. No one's saying he's not. But I don't have evidence. I have it in glory, but I don't have it in UFC of Adesanya being a guy who you can maybe catch or who is suspect. Look, you punch anybody in the chin as hard as you can, they're going down. I'm just saying I've seen a great chin out of Adesanya. I see a guy who has next-level freaking striking. Here's how I think this fight is ultimately going to play out. Adesanya has most of the success in the first half of the first round. He's going to sniper. He's going to look great. Uh, is going to bite down. He's going to figure it out. He's going to hurt Adesanya. He may even drop him, Rashad. But if Izzy can make it past that threshold of round three, and I think he can. I think he stops a tired Costa late because I think if Paulo Costa gets into round four, he it's it's going to be a little bit fight or flight. It's going to be like, you know what? I don't know what I have left, but whatever it is, I'm pouring it out right now. And in that moment when he decides it's reckless time, that's when you play into Izzy's hands. I, I don't see a situation, Rashad, where Izzy doesn't stop him. And, and and I think that's just me trying to be sharp and smart rather than drinking the Adesanya juice too much. I think if Borenchina goes balls to the damn wall, he's going to get stopped earlier. But even at a consistent, aggressive pace, I think Israel's going to have to walk through some hell. But like I said, we've seen him pull that off before. He is, there's next, there's some next level shit in there that we have not seen yet. Rashad, this may be the fight that brings it out. I can do nothing but tell you, Go without Asanya by knockout. Now, I don't have a great track record. I'm just some guy in the basement. You are Mystic Shad. You're on the freaking roll. Do you know I get DMs from people that are like, Rashad can't go away in this MK universe because his picks are the <laughs> best picks, bro, okay? People be making money off this. What is the pick for Saturday night? Um, I think that it's, it's a very tough fight, and, and I think it's going to be a lot closer than even the odds maker have it, but um, I, I really believe that the emotional part of this is going to take a bigger toll on on Costa. You know, having a first time being uh, with the spotlight. You know, Adesanya had his his chance to feel this already when he fought Robert Whitaker. So for him, that was bigger than than this altogether. You know, with all those fans and everything like that, and just the media and everything that he had to do. So he's he's already experienced that. So when he gets into the cage, he's going to be at a 
a, a place where he's a lot more relaxed and he's able to have clearer vision because he's not going to be so emotionally charged. This is going to be Cause's first time being in this position. So he's going to be that much more emotionally charged. I bring up that point to highlight the fact that when you're emotionally charged, your emotions make you have an adrenaline dump and make you make mistakes that you normally typically wouldn't make if you didn't have that. So that's why I give Israel the edge in this fight. And I think he's going to be able to stop um, uh, Costa within four rounds. And I say four rounds because I think that Costa is going to come back in one round and it's going to be tough for, for Israel for a bit. But I think he's going to be able to come back and, uh, and just, you know, pretty much take it over four uh, rounds within four rounds, Israel, either way, theater, theater coming your way Saturday night. And this Coleman event, Rashad, I'm liking more and more as the time gets closer. It's for your vacant 205 pound title. When Dominic Reyes fresh off that very close unanimous decision loss to John Jones goes in there against red hot, but, ceiling-ish, meaning I think we've seen how great Jan Blahowitz can be, and that's why originally when I saw this fight announced, Rashad, I said, okay, Jan's a knockout threat. He's worked hard to get here, but this will be Dom Reyes's, you know, ceremony. This will be his put the crown on. The John Jones is gone. It's the Dom Reyes era. Rashad, as this fight is getting closer and the more tape I watch, I got to pull back a little bit. Jan Blachowicz, look, he's 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 a little bit slower. There's times he's a little bit too passive. There's a lot of things going on here. But he's never anything but dangerous. William Hill has Dominic Reyes as a minus 303 favorite. Blachowicz as a plus 230. Everyone's got a bad night at the office where we go back and say, see, this defends my argument. I went back and watched the Dom Reyes fight against Vulcan Ozdemir. I thought Vulcan won that fight. There were certain things he was able to do in the clinch with his size that that you know he never let Dom Reyes get complete control of that fight. There is a path to victory here for Jan Blahowitz. I wonder if there's any sort of fear that Dom and look, we got to add in this: people are getting on a plane and flying to Abu Dhabi. It's not a normal circumstance here. I wonder if there's if there's any part of Dom who's who has the potential of drinking his own juice and putting the crown on a little bit too early. Jan Blahowitz has nothing to lose in this fight. And if you let that fight go late and you give a puncher like that a puncher's chance, this has the chance to get interesting, Rashad. You can do nothing but pick Dom Reyes to win. It's the safe bet. It's the smart bet. It's the most likely bet. But as this fight gets closer, I'm talking myself into more of what Jan Blahowitz does. And yes, that video creeped me out where I went into the woods in Poland and found the noose hanging from a tree where a guy hung himself and he touches the noose for power and strength. That's weird as shit. I don't care if it's a superstition. It's weird. I want nothing to do with it. I want nothing to do with that guy. If you let him linger, he may knock you out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right, man. And um, I kind of share a lot of the same feelings you do about this whole matchup. You know, I feel a lot like... Um, you know, Dom Reyes is coming into this fight feeling like the uncrowned champion. And we've seen how dangerous that mindset was to to Gustafson for the rest of his track at light heavyweight after that fight with John Jones. You know, we've seen him just never quite be that fighter that we've seen on that night where he promised us or gave us a lot of promise that he may be able to guy to beat John Jones. So um not saying that Dom is that guy but saying that 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 fact that factor is out there. You know, there is a John Jones factor out there that makes you, you know, that that can have you feeling like you are the uncrowned champion just because you had a close fight with him. And going against a guy like Jan, 
uh, is very dangerous because one thing I can say about Jan is he's not he's not the fastest athlete when you see him throwing punches, but there's something about the way he throws his punches that make him so sneaky that they seem very fast because you don't see him coming. He has his uppercut that he shoots that a lot of people do not see and it's followed by a left hook and it just knocks the hell out of everybody. I don't know what he has in that hand, but he just has a combination and it just works and it just seems to sneak in there on everybody. Now, defensively speaking, Dom Reyes does have holes. He does have the ability to get blasted with some of these shots that Dom, I mean, that, uh, that Jan can pull off uh, pretty well. So I'm I'm still up in the air about this fight, but if I had to really pick right now, I would go with Dom Reyes. I, you know, I think Dom Reyes should win. He has all the tools to win if he fights correctly, if he fights in, in, in the fight in the fight that he should fight and try not to do too much. And then, and then by that I mean, you know, he could be like, oh yeah, I really want to show people how you know want to impress people and really give them, uh, you know, something to forget John Jones about. And you can try to do something a little too much, you know, try to be a little too exciting and, and trying to do something with a guy like Jan, it can get you caught because Jan knows he's, um, he's in this position by, uh, by, by the slimmest margins. And he knows that people are doubting him. And that right there gives you life to just want to shock the world. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I, you know, I look back at that Jacare fight for Jan Blahowitz. It was supposed to be, Kind of his close-up to take him seriously as a potential challenger. It was a boring-ass five-round split decision. Remember that? Yet we saw yeah. a very patient Jan who basically had the attitude of, I'm not here to impress you. I'm here to win. And he did what he had to do to win that. I wonder if there's any mistake, if there's an opening for a mistake for Dom Race, if he uses too much energy, as you said, to try to look spectacular, if anything like that, if he comes in with any attitude that isn't, I got to be careful and I got to win, Eh, you never know. But look, with that said, Dom Reyes, obviously the faster, smarter, seemingly more skilled fighter, can do more things, has more ways to win. This is his opportunity to shine. I can do nothing but pick him to win. But this this fight is a little bit more fun than I think I thought originally. Rashad, I'll say it right now. The rest of the card sucks. <laughs> Come on, I mean, look, I'm sorry. I, I, do I like Brad, Brad Liddell? Uh, yeah, Brad Liddell. I'm sorry. I like him. Yeah. Sarge Eubanks, I'm always here for her. Against Ketlin Vera, that's fine. Okay. Zubai. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a fast turnaround for Sarge. We just seen her fight just a couple I weeks ago. I think she fought this morning. Yeah, that's real quick. Um, Rashad, this, the rest of it is not representative of a normal pay-per-view card, but I guess that's why last week they loaded up on that fight night. I don't know. Right. I'll yeah. take it. It is what it is. All right. Thank you. I mean, we, we have five weeks in Fight Island to get – our money's worth when it comes to watching these fights. So even if we don't get it on this card, I think in the next few consecutive fights, cards we're going to get it. Uh, please check out our work on CBS Sports HQ. We're going to be setting you up all week, getting you ready for 253, getting you ready for the Charlo Brothers Showtime Boxing Pay-Per-View. Check us out on Morning Combat. Luke Thomas and I will be hosting the Showtime uh, weigh-in stream on Friday, the press conference stream on Wednesday. We're also going to be in your face on that pay-per-view broadcast hosting the halftime show. Rashad, Rashad's a unique pay-per-view. I, never, I don't remember a halftime show in uh, boxing pay-per-view history, but we're going to get that in this Charlo one. Luke and I That's for a half fun. hour. I'm looking... 
try to have a wardrobe malfunction, maybe, you know, try to get the Super Bowl <laughs> level uh, stuff going on right there. All right. Hey, for Rashad Evans, it's BC. Uh, I guess it's kind of an end of an era of the state of combat, Rashad, but we're going to we're going to retool. We're going to figure out we're going to do a lot of cool, fun stuff, a lot of fun bonus content coming your way in the morning combat universe. Rashad's coming along for the ride. we got some story time with Rashad. we got to get back. we got to get back on the horn and get those in line, okay? There's a lot of uh, stories waiting to be told. But uh, Rashad, enjoy the fights this weekend, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate it. BC, it's been a pleasure teaming up with you on this state of combat. Uh, I learned a lot, and I love I love our conversations, man. I really do. And I look forward to the next step and where we go after here. Absolutely. Shout out to our super producer, Mikey Mile, And uh, all you folks out there, thank you for all the love and the support along the way. And uh, follow what else we're doing on CBS Sports. Rashad, are you going to get on the plane ever and go to Abu Dhabi? Is there an analyst job there waiting for you? Uh, hopefully one of these days, one of these days. But I'm kind of enjoying doing the local ones here in Vegas, you know. I'm not complaining. I'm happy where I'm at. <laughs> right, That's it. Uh, Rashad, you got any words for the people that exit here? Hey, uh, one last time, baby. We out. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.